Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Anyway, we got a, we have a room full of people here, folks, on Let the Sawdust Fly. By the way, if you have a question during this segment that you would like us to ask, uh, just give us a call at 722-7500, 722-7500, and just let my producer know that you have a question. He'll write the question down, pass it over to us so that we can ask the guys. Now... You, uh, Peter, you are the guy that's always in here uh, every month, but you've yep. got uh, who with you now today? You got the, the Eggman. The egg egg. Now we're gonna we're gonna name them the Eggman. The egg we have Scott Dame for Associated Contract Loggers and John Thompson JT from St. Louis County Land Department in today, and we're gonna Excellent. be talking about a few things. Now, here. John, I think has been in with us before. Yes, he has, uh, and he okay. also called in a couple months ago. I do believe about an issue that we had going on at that time. And uh, he is willing to come in and talk about some of the stuff here as the day goes on about uh, things that the St. Louis County Land has done and okay. uh, what's going on in the timber industry from their aspect as well as ours. Okay. Oh. Let, me, uh, let me ask you to introduce your guests again because we had not p- pushed the right button. So we're just going to ask you or, to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. That was me. Oh, we're All good. Right. We're good. We're good. Okay. We're good. All right. So uh, a couple things from last time. Uh, I talked with. Uh, we had a call on the bridge up on Island Lake. Yes. Okay, right. St. Louis County. I did do some checking on it, and the only thing I can tell you, they have the engineers check in over and seeing what they can do. I can't really go into it any more than that, but they are on it. They are doing and they are seeing what they can do for that bridge because it's a major thoroughfare on Highway Four up there. That was the guy that had suggested that it looked like it was lipped on the end or something that it was uh, raised. The, up? What they, I don't know. If maybe it was. It's posted to forty tons going across there. Okay. And so loggers like to haul a little bit more than that, and so it becomes an issue. So it's being checked on. Okay. Right now is what it's being done, and then the other th- was um, what else was it? Oh, on our. Uh, on our uh, weight increase, and Scott has some very good information about that coming up here. Well, at let me St. just Paul. tell you first of all, Scott was nice enough to bring me a dozen eggs this morning. But here's what I got out of talking to Scott before the show: I got he raises blue chickens who lay semi-blue eggs. Is that is that no. basically it? No, they're not blue chickens. Oh. They're Americana chickens. Oh, okay. You know, American chickens. Yes. And, uh, and they do lay blue eggs, which is kind of fun. And uh, really they're laying like crazy right now. My wife said we got five dozen in the refrigerator. Bring some down to Brad and the guys at the radio show. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. If you start glowing in the dark, I'd uh, cut back on eating them. Yeah, I might not eat too many of them either there. Yeah. And, and your, your friend John this morning comes in with a shirt that I would love to have, except that I couldn't wear it because mine, when, instead of saying what John says, John's got a big fish hook on it, and it says, fish fear me. Mine would say fish don't even pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I have another one that says fish snicker when they hear my name. So <laughs> that's, that's probably my, more truthful. That should be more like mine, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, on uh, at the state level, Scott, you got some information on that. Remember about we used to be able to haul heavier loads and they cut back on it, and we had to know we had to get this change at St. Paul. 
And it's been slowly being done. Could you want to head yeah, on that a little bit? Talk a little bit about, because they used to allow you a little hedge room, kind of. Exactly. And now they don't do that anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, they allowed it for 10 years. Uh, a new um, commercial vehicle enforcement uh, representative or officer um, changed his mind on how that was going to be handled. And so we went to our legislature and uh, looked at uh, having that corrected language-wise, legislatively. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, you know, this last election season, uh, I personally took out a radio ad on your radio station yes, I here. I remember that. Um, yeah. Opposing uh, Representative Eklund, who was running. But I've got to tell you the truth now. Representative Eklund has stepped up this legislative session and represented ah. the timber industry like nobody else has. And so he took this issue on the truck weights as well and shepherded it through the uh, legislative session. And uh, upon the governor's signature this week on the bills that uh, cleared. It's going to be in there? It will be in there. And it will be effective. I've got guys calling me already. Can we start hauling now? <laughs> and I said, well, it will be effective um, August 1st. That we'll get that 5% uh, sure. tolerance back in there year-round. So I don't mean to put pressure on you here, but could that ad you had ran may have put a little fire under them? <laughs> I don't know, but you know, I've always said in my life that uh, I don't mind eating a little crow on occasion yes. if it's cooked well. Absolutely. And uh, so I want to make sure I pointed out that um, Representative Eklund did an outstanding job for Good. the timber industry this year in the legislative Good. session. I always say yes, Scott, right away and move on because that way a little bit of fire there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but now, now loggers, we can, it, well, it won't be until August 1st, I do believe that, and then we can go to 94.5 roadside. That's whereas, what it was, 94.5 is the roadside. Yeah. If road. the DOT pulls the over, pulls the bathroom scales underneath, you can be 94.5. Otherwise, right today. It's the what in, scales? I call them the bathroom scales. They're portable scales. Yeah, they're still bathroom. You look at these things. <laughs> the, the, what, they, what they are, folks, is they're little. <laughs> God, I hope my bathroom scale don't go up that <laughs> high. scales that are only voted, <coughs> excuse me, only about an inch thick, and they're probably about two feet wide and probably three feet long. And they'll they'll slide them in front of your tires, and they'll have six at the most is what they have. So they'll do the truck, and they'll, they'll put them right in front of each tire, and they'll roll the truck ahead just enough to get on them, and the, 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 the officer will look around and add up all the weights. Okay. And then you'll pull ahead a little bit. Stop. He'll so put they, them on your they trailer. Weigh, like each axle? Every, every tire. Every tire. Every tire on the ground, they're going to weigh. Wow. And then they'll put them on the trailer, have you pull ahead just a little bit, and they'll add them all up, and they'll know exactly what you're putting pressure on the ground at that point. And if you look at them, they look like a bathroom scale. Yeah. And that's why we call, all us call them. He's got the bathroom scales coming out. See what you got. Now, what is, do they drive a van around with those things in them? Or that's, just an SUV. Really? You, you can if you if you see the high patrol it says commercial vehicle enforcement the chances of him having them in there are very good probably good very okay. good they're they're very accurate we've we've challenged them on occasion uh on overweight <laughs> tickets but uh they get them calibrated every single year as long as they comply with an even um uh ground surface and everything else and not you know uh uneven um, and they know how to how to use these scales. Uh, we, we we're not going to be able to argue against those scales very very well. Now they use these portable ones so that they can catch you in an off road environment or where you're just coming out of the woods before you usually have a it's on, to usually go. it's a blacktop road. Yeah, okay. pretty much because even if you do it on a bla- on a gravel road, those things are not very thick. They're only maybe an inch thick. I'm going to say they're 
And uh, so rocks can uh, could probably throw them could off. Throw them yeah. off a little bit. Yeah. yeah. We have we have um, Henry Schunnebeck. Remember from last time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. From Wisconsin, Michigan. Right. Yes. He called in, and we'd like to bring him on. And the reason why is that over in Wisconsin has something to tie in with what we're talking about. Is Wisconsin loggers have an issue coming that their way with on these county roads that we've experienced in the past here in Minnesota? It'd be great if Henry could chime in on that a little bit on what they're trying to do here. Do we have Henry on the phone there, Mr. Producer? We do. Henry, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? So, Terrific. so How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We, uh, I hope you got to hear Peter's explanation there. Uh, so t- tell us how this ties in with you guys, because evidently they got it through the legislature here in Minnesota, where they're going to go back and uh, and allow. You want me to put mine over here? Okay. Hang on one second. We're doing a little uh, shifting around here in the studio. Uh, So they're evidently going to go back and allow the higher limits after August. But how does that tie in with uh, what you you guys do in Wisconsin? Well, most of our most of our raw force. I'm not hearing anything on permits. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead, Henry. All right. Well, most of our raw forest products uh, permits and some fruits and vegetables are all based on permits. Okay. Which gives us uh, a higher weight, you know, and so that brings us a lot closer to what Minnesota weights are. And that just makes it a lot easier for the guys to go back and forth. You know, there's hundreds of loads daily that go back and forth between Minnesota and Wisconsin, and it just makes it a lot easier for the trucking companies to uh, to do their business. You know, it, it it's hard when, when you have different states with different regulations and different weights to adjust for all that and it's and it's even harder to figure out what the rate's going to be for hauling sometimes so the closer we can get those the better off everybody is you know uh peter what henry's talking about there is i've never even really thought about that but he's so right is that if you're if you're logging let's say an area in wisconsin and you're hauling it to a minnesota mill you may be right wise weight wise in wisconsin as soon as you cross that bridge all of a sudden, you could be out of compliance. You could be on your weights. It depends on what they're hauling. Um, like what, what, what's happening, I think Wisconsin can go to 98 right now, I think it is, year-round. Yeah. Year yeah, right. And then you get over here, and you'd have to be down to 90 as we speak right now. Okay. But if he makes it to the mill, he's okay. Okay. You can't, the DOT won't do anything unless he's over 99, the, the hauler. But the situation I see over in Wisconsin, I heard from a logger here last week, is that, there's some secondary roads that they're starting to post year round, and when you start doing that, I think it was what one year one was it one road last year, Henry, and then now it's all of a sudden four this year, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So we have four, four roads uh, in Bayfield County that are going to be posted year round now, and that started according to the notice that I have here on May 14th, and uh, so two of those roads are going to be at 35 ton, and two of them looks like they're going to be at 30 ton, and you know, I mean, in their defense, they're going to allow us permits, uh, you know, so if you have a timber sale on one of those roads, you'll be able to get a permit to haul haul that full load. But, you know, this really brings up the question, are, is this just the beginning of those posted roads? And, you know, a lot of it's based on, on funding. The roads have deteriorated. They've not been uh, replaced as they should have been. You know, a lot of times the blacktop roads designed to last about 20 years. Sure. And some of these roads are, are probably 40, 50 years, so they're, they're over double their life. But, 
you know, and the thing of it is, we we never quit paying our taxes, and we never no. quit paying our road use tax. That never ends, and you you really have to question. All right, so how did these roads get so far behind in the first place? And and I know they're they're doing the best they can. You know, it's it's different people that are are running the the government there right now. But it it's like you know, this is starting to cut into our freedom a little bit here too, because we pay a lot of money. To use the roads, and so even if we have to get a permit, this just kind of adds another level of um, work that I that I have to do as a trucker. So I could I'd have to carry permits with me if I need one in a hurry. You know, I fill out the permit, uh, uh, text a picture to the to the manager, and he signs it and texts a picture and handles. And that's if he agrees with the route that I need to use and that type of thing. So it just it, you know all these little things add up. To driving up the cost of doing business, and well, know, we Henry, let me ask you that. a question from an outside observer. I know nothing about this, of course, but from an outside observer, it seems almost like maybe the state, in this case Wisconsin, is trying to raise some money for maintenance of that road by charging you the extra permits to bring you up to what you normally would have been able to haul anyway. Yeah, well, that's the thing here. They're not, and this, and this is county roads. To be clear, yeah. this is county roads we're sure. talking about here. Uh, okay. this, you know, and they're not, they're not going to charge us a fee for the permit. I, I think they've just gotten into a situation where they feel the roads are, are deteriorated to the point they don't have a money enough money to fix them all, and they're, you know, they're really trying to make the road last longer, but. Sure. On the other hand, they're cutting off. It's kind of like cutting off the very businesses that are generating all the income in the first place. Because I can promise you, we're not running forty-five mile per hour or forty-five mile per gallon uh, Prius cars out there. No. We're running log trucks that get three and a half miles to the gallon. We're right around four miles a gallon is what we're going to be. Is that what you get? That's right around there. You'll be a hair more, hair less, but you're not going to be six. You're not going to be seven. Yeah. No. And they, they use a lot of fuel, and they pay a lot of tax money. You bet they do. <laughs> well, so is this going to be beneficial now to if they change this law in Minnesota to people that that drive back and forth between Minnesota and Wisconsin hauling loads? Yeah, yeah, it will be. They're they're caught up in the uh, state roads. Yeah, uh, county roads. That that's a different topic. So, okay. but on the state roads, absolutely. No, this will also help you guys, beneficial. Henry, when you come over from Wisconsin into Minnesota. Um, on yeah. our state roads and that type of thing, and, and uh, even the freeway on that part of it right there. But, you know, um, we're, we're glad to help our counterparts out in Wisconsin and Michigan. But to tell you the truth, we just assume uh, put a, uh, a, uh, a gate up on the bridge and not have any Wisconsin or, Min- or Michigan wood come into Minnesota. <laughs> no, just kidding, Henry. You just <laughs> ticked off a lot of people. Oh, here we that. go. The wood, goes, <laughs> the, the wood goes both ways. Our wood goes into Wisconsin, and their species comes over here, too. We work Say, on a regional basis look, and cooperatively. Can we talk about that just for a minute? And Now, I know that here in Minnesota, you've got Sappy out here in West Duluth. You've got, uh, you've got the, the mill up in Cloquet. Uh, that is sappy. In well, that Sappy's is sappy. In What's the one yeah. in West Versa. 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 Yeah, Versa. Uh, what? It, where else do you haul locally uh, uh, for for mills here? In the you North got LP up at Cook. No, okay. no LP in two harbors. Yeah, two harbors. That's I'm okay, thinking. Buddy. I'm just getting too far That's ahead. Let the cat bag. Don't let know. Then there's also, but there's also an LP in Hayward. Okay. You have Blandon over in Grand Rapids. You have uh, Boise up in International Falls. 
Then you have a few little mills here and there that are smaller sawmill style. But you've got Potlatch over in Bemidji yeah. and uh, Norboard uh, over in Solway as well, mm-hmm. which are larger mills. Now, do they each uh, take only certain type of woods? Mm-hmm. Is that why you might haul to one and that might be further away from you than something close? Certain species go to different places okay. than what they're trying to get out of their product, okay. yes. Like sappy takes a lot of aspen, maple, ash, that kind of wood. A little okay. bit of birch mixed in, not much, but a little bit. Then you got boys who it takes heavy, heavy aspen. Um, then over at Versal, you take uh, softwood. So there's a wide range there of what is being really consumed by a lot of mills. Okay. Well, we have to take a quick break. We are a commercial radio, so uh, what we're uh, yes, uh, Henry. Thank you very much for uh, weighing in with us this morning. We're going to continue the conversation here, but I appreciate you calling in this morning. Yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity. Catch Sound Off on your schedule. Download the podcast today at 710WDSM.com. Giant Redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps Let's all, all get together and, and sing, boys. <laughs> I cut down trees. So we by and we're doing this. They think it's crazy in there. Tree. On you know, Wednesday, I'll go shopping yeah. and have buttered scones Believe for me, tea. if I sing, people start turning off their radios. <laughs> We can't do the segment without that, though. That is such an appropriate song. It's like song. it just stuck and it has never left. Hey, <laughs> we uh, we had a call just now while we were away at break from a lady that owns a fairly large uh, parcel of land mm-hmm. in northern Minnesota. And she was wondering, do you come into a private uh, land and log if we want you to log uh, the land? Well... I know you, Peter, and I know that you do this show for all of loggers in northern Minnesota, and you don't want to uh, promote yourself, so to speak. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask Scott, how would you do this? Because I know you do this. You you were telling me that about 40, 45% of the jobs that are done are on private land. So if if somebody calls you looking for loggers, how do you go about assigning this to somebody? Yeah, the best thing that they can do is give the ACLT a call. And I'll give you the number right now. It's 218-780-5927. And let me know where that land is located at. And we'll identify two or three loggers that operate in that area. Because Peter doesn't want to go to Bemidji. No, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Give the phone number one more time, if you would. Yeah, the number is 218-780-5927. And they can uh, give me a call. We'll give them uh, a Contact numbers and names for two or three loggers. They can directly contact the logger. The logger will give them a bid on uh, harvesting that timber for them, and then it's okay. up to the landowner to select which logger they want to use. Fantastic. And, and and so you do get a lot of business that way uh, where uh, – and, and you know, it makes total sense to me, too, that a, a person that owns maybe 40, 50 acres of land and they got their cabin on it and they got a few other things they see – Ah, a lot of this wood is, uh, you know, getting to the point where it might uh, be dying. Maybe it's got insects. I want to get rid of it. I don't want. I want to maintain the. I want to log it so that I can get new growth in there and keep the forest healthy. 
You're, you're right. It's a, it's a very valid question. You can't open up the phone book in the yellow pages and look under logger. There's nobody listed. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's it's a, very true. And so it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes for the public to find a logger unless they're logging next door, which sure. quite often happens, and they'll wander over. Hey, you're, you're logging John's land. Uh, hey, how about doing mine? But um, if they want to give the ACLT a call, we always uh, refer um, loggers to people that are looking. Yeah. Okay. And any job can be done. It's whether financially it can be done. Now, if this individual has only two acres and the logger has to come quite a ways away, Sure. It's financially is not going to make it. The only way it could is if they are paid to come and do it. Okay. Then it can be done. But it, there's a lot of things that go on to do a job site. And with like JT here, how he administrated a lot of job sites in the past, we did some right. that were actually experimental. And he has a lot of information on that. What really took place some years back, we did some experimental cuts. John, John. John Thompson is in with us, and he's a retired area land manager. And so, uh, John you would be the guy that would uh, call a logger or a number of loggers in an area, and you'd say, hey, we've got a piece of land here that uh, needs uh, to be thinned out. And you would you would kind of manage this land? You would determine where where things are needed to be logged and where they're not? Yes, Brad. Uh, our foresters would be out, and, you know, it's like real estate kind of. There's three things that you look at to determine what should be done, and, and all three of them are conditioned. Okay. You you look at the condition of the timber, age is part of that, but but if it's in good condition, maybe you hold it longer. Okay. Um, and go to a stand that needs attention more. But actually, we did it through a, a public auction process most of the time, uh, and we would have all the criteria spelled out for the work that that we needed done because it wasn't just a case of here's some wood and we'll get some money. It was it was also. How are we going to benefit wildlife? How are we going to protect the water resource? What's our regeneration plan? Because the cardinal rule, you don't do anything without a regeneration plan. You, you don't just cut it and leave. Right. Sometimes that's all you have to do if you plan it right and time it right. In fact, most of our regeneration, I'd say 75% of it was regenerated with, with natural regeneration through timing and planning maybe requirements for for skidding to scratch up the ground surface so that so that the lighter seeded species could get hold in mineral soil and so on and then and then there were other areas that that we would have as much taken off as we could because we were going to plant and we wanted the stuff out of the way sure yeah st louis county just finished up well everybody did they just finished up planting season and uh St. Louis County planted about 1,100 acres this year, wow. which is pretty typical. Sure. Uh, about 650,000 trees went in the ground, and uh, and so they're they're continuing with, with that. Uh, and if you drive up number four, particularly, is a good good place to see it. There's a doggone pretty forest up there that's been reestablished over the last 40 years. When I first started up there, a lot of it looked like an atomic bomb would be an improvement, oh, wow. and it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty woods now. Well, you it, do nice. see parcels of land like that as you drive around <clears throat> northern Minnesota. You'll see areas that have down trees and old trees. When we come back from this break, we've got to take our Fox News break here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what generates a healthy new forest. Because I would imagine in some areas the small trees get choked out because they don't get enough sunlight from the more mature trees as well. 
Yeah, that's the kind of forest we're dealing with here. Okay. And uh, if you want to get to your break, uh, we could whenever you want because yeah. we'll we'll go Let's into do that. that. We'll come back and talk about a, how you generate a healthy forest. So we'll take our Fox News break and then we'll come back. More of Sound Off is on the way. Coming up at 11, it's your daily fix of Rush. 710 and FM 98.1 WDSM. Updates brought to you by Lady O'Collins Emporium, 31 West Superior Street, a place of magic in downtown Duluth, 722-2240. That's Lady O'Collins Emporium. Woodchopper's ball there for you to come back to, guys. Okay, so when we left, we were talking about uh, what makes a healthy forest. How do you how do you make a healthy forest? Because I I know I I worked out in the woods just two summers with my uh, with my uncle who was a logger out of the Brookston area, and I did it mainly just to build myself up for football for the fall. I he, they would put me on the truck and I would slash into the the log as they would throw it up i would catch it and pull it up and i was to build my plexes and stuff and they're using your brain great. weren't they, they yeah were they were using their brain, brain muscles uh, they became i became their loader <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i remember that uh, i remember that tommy ta- told me a lot of times he said we like to go into an area and thin an area out we don't always take all the trees out of an area we thin it out because it then allows the slash underneath the sunlight and the uh, ability to grow. Is that kind of the way a forest comes around or what? It- well, not all forests are created equal. Yeah, um, I can imagine. So you have to understand that the first thing is that from about Duluth north, it is a fire-based ecology. And forest regeneration was based on recurrent fire that exposed the seed bed or that killed the trees on top. And then you would get regeneration because you had a seed bed and fire never actually kills everything. So sure. there were always seed around and seed in the duff. And, and so depending on what kind of forest you're dealing with, you got different prescriptions. And that's where foresters come in. And I wanted to make the pitch on that land up north. A consulting forester would be a good idea up there to really tailor the prescription for their land to what they, what their desired outcome is. But getting back to a healthy forest, it it, it is a forest that uh, you, you've got good stocking. You've got a variety of ages uh, out there, not all in the same place. For sure. instance, aspen or jack pine or red pine, uh, they have to grow even age, where all the trees are about the same age because they are not uh, intolerant. They're not tolerant of shade, oh. so they have to have their heads up in the sun, and they all grow at the same at the same rate okay other species like maple basswood yellow birch more tolerant of shade those are the species where you can go in and do a periodic thinning and the young growth will come underneath in the shade and you can have a, an uneven age management where you keep a, a continuous forest canopy okay but it depends on what you're what you're working with i re- i recall with Tommy up there in the Brookston area, that it was mostly popple, and and he would they would thin out areas that they controlled 
of the popple because he said popple he uh, he always told me anyway and i'm probably wrong but he's he would always say popple is a weed it just grows anywhere and it'll it'll shoot up once you clear off the area and let some sunlight come in yep. it'll just take off you let the sunlight in and, and it it suckers from the roots and you get real healthy stems okay and you can mess it up but it's it's pretty bulletproof in fact it's a, a funny thing that St. Louis County's got one research project going right now using uh, LIDAR, and if I could think a minute, laser imaging, it's not radar, but something like that, looking at these stands, trying to evaluate which ones are 40-year-old stands that are big enough to harvest now, and what they're finding is it was those stands that did not come up the densest. Because oh. the real dense stands, the stems all stayed small. Sure. But in the thinner stands, the stems got bigger because they had more light. And so what's funny is what didn't look like our greatest success is is the opportunity we have now. And that research study is, is showing that. And, uh, well, St. Louis County has been in a, a lot of um, research efforts. One that Peter was involved in with... Um, various degrees of uh, how much slash retention we had slashes the limbs and tops and debris right. left over yep. from logging that's not commercial right how much slash retention is necessary on a site to keep the amount of nutrients you need and how much difference does it make and and on the study we did with peter on real good aspen sites we found out it didn't matter as far really? as new growth and the, and the nutrient budget after that it really didn't matter but we did a subsequent study on jack pine stands that were much lower quality. And, and an interesting thing we found out was that you need to take the slash off a jack pine stand because if you let the nutrient level come up, you lose the jack pine because other stuff outcompetes it. And we need jack pine around here. It's a very important um, species mix for a lot of critters okay a lot of stuff eats jack pine that doesn't eat red pine for instance or it exists in those jack pine stands and this is a big piece of forestry it's not just about growing trees and making cords and boards it's 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 having everything out on that sure. landscape that used to be there and keeping it now is jack pine the little uh, quills that i used to find in the gullet of a grouse and stuff or what are the, what do they eat that looks like a needle of some kind. I don't know. <laughs> Honest answer. I don't know what those little devils are. Jack Pine is the ugly tree. Remember I said that before? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Ugly tree. Yeah, there you go. Ugly they're, tree. They're not too impressive most of the time. If, if you get them on a good site, they can look okay, but they're still about a second-rate red pine. Okay. <laughs> Now, what do they use those for once you harvest them? I mean, do oh, they, they make they, something out of them? Or yeah, they? yeah, they, they make a lot of two-by-fours out of jack pine up okay. at, at Potlatch in Bemidji. All right. They use jack pine and, and red pine there, huh. and they put a lot of it through that mill. I'll and be darned. You see a lot more jack pine out west on those dry sand soils. Yeah, It's, yep. it's a, a species that, that grows on dry ground, droughty conditions so it'll it'll grow is that, where, what, is that what we have down in florida that kind of pine or we no. have a pine tree we have a, a they grow really tall and you see a lot of loggers on the highways down there hauling these things but they're usually their truck has these long pieces of yeah they they haul timber. tree length down there yeah. and the and the tips will be dragging the ground they yes. get to the mill and they're sharp like pencils <laughs> but uh 
uh, if they back up, you're in big trouble. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I Peter imagine. almost backed up on me once. I was down in the brush behind him, and he didn't know what I was coming out, and all of a sudden he backed up to break the limbs off the drag, and I was moving to get out of there. <laughs> Got to keep these guys on their toes. Yeah. Let's Boy, see if yeah. he can run or he not. Did it. But to answer your question, Brad, down in Florida, you've got longleaf pine, which is one that's got a needle about a foot long. Yes. And, and, and then you, they fall once a year. They fall all over. Yeah. They're on people's roofs. They're brown. Yep. Long. And then you've got uh, slash pine and you've got um, loblolly pine. Loblolly okay. is probably the most widely planted, and okay. it grows all over the south. Okay. So when you, when you buy a southern yellow pine board, it's probably loblolly. Okay. And it's it's good wood, very similar to red pine. I like you, saying that. Very word, hard to tell those two woods lob-lally. apart. Lob-lally. Makes almost hungry in a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how's the fiber on those trees anyway, John? With those big growth rings, you know how they grow so much more they have more months out of the year to grow really thick and yeah. those rings get really big. Is the fiber still really good in them yeah, down there? It yeah. is. And 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 the and the lumber is quite strong. Really? Yeah. Really? There was a a lot of problem with it um some years back uh you couldn't get paint to stick to it but they've developed paints now that will okay yeah they had to change the paints and they worked on that quite a bit because they they couldn't use it for instance for home siding because the paint wouldn't stick to it but uh strong wood for framing it's it's real good but yeah you got you got growth rings three-fourths of an inch wide that's amazing that always becomes a concern of mine when i see those big growth rings you wonder is the fiber still strong because if it gets too weak, then when you get your finished product, it can fall apart on you. But it's working because they're proving it down there. Yeah, you know? it's, it's strong wood. Uh, Longleaf is the strongest. And and then uh, uh, Loblolly after that. Slash Pine is more pulpwood. Can can one of you guys, and doesn't matter who does it, but somebody answer the question. I, I read the other day that the mill out in West Duluth has got a, just got a large grant to redo their operations, uh, and, and they're going to change some of the uh, processing. Are they changing? Uh, they used to be calendar paper. I think that's all they did was calendar paper. Mm-hmm. Are they going to change to a little different uh, open uh, new product up, or what are they going to do? It'll be a new product line. They're looking at uh, brown paper, packaging paper, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, and uh, if I am mistaken, somebody from Verso um, can call and say, no, Scott, you're way off base on that. Um, but it's important for our mills to diversify their product yes. lines. Yes. Um, the calendar paper or whatever type of paper they're producing, obviously uh, worldwide, uh, is the demand for that type of product okay. is dropping. So it's uh, encouraging that these mills, uh, Sappy is doing a lot of conversion as well over there with their products. You know, Sappy has even gone into Rayon making cloth stuff, out yep. of fiber, mm-hmm. exactly. out of wood fiber, right? So it's, it's good for the legislature and the state of Minnesota to work with these mills to help them diversify and retain these jobs uh, in the uh, uh, state of Minnesota. We're constantly looking to see, the mills are constantly looking to see, all businesses are constantly trying to find another avenue for their product because if you stay in one position, like just making high-end paper and the paper industry slowly doesn't need it anymore, you'll be out of business. Oh, yeah. So you're constantly adapting cardboard if they go that route. Look at everybody's doing everything online a lot. And you, the, the shippers of that is bringing in cardboard. So cardboard could be a good way to go, you know, where there's a lot of product being shipped by cardboard, cardboard boxes, online shopping. So it can become a very huge thing on that. You bet. Well, and I think Versus found that uh, 
that the, the high-end calendar paper that they were making magazines and stuff, that all of a sudden that market kind of went south. There wasn't that many magazines. There weren't that many calendars. Yeah. Can't, yeah Verso. I can't Verso. speak for them, but I think from what I see from a layman's point, it seems like a lot more people are shopping online and a lot less are shopping. You're still going to have the newspaper folders. You're still going to have the people flicking the pages. Sure. But the percentage-wise has changed greatly from 30 years ago till now horrendously changed and so to me you have to adapt because if you don't you probably will die guys can we uh, keep you to the top of the hour i don't know we got a lot of things going on here but uh, we'll try <laughs> especially lock the I door got, on us i got this shirt on you know yeah you have to go out fishing i know you have to fear Actually, the fish that is the plan <laughs> well there you go well we're going to take our wisconsin news break uh, get caught up on the news and then we'll come back more with uh, so let the sawdust fly here on a wednesday morning the last wednesday of the month You're sounding off with Brad Bennett. Coming up at 11, keep yourself one step ahead with Rush Limbaugh. 710 WDSM. Okay, so we are back, guys. So uh, where did we leave it? What were we talking about? uh, John's got some very good information about M.O. Ash Boring, what what people personally can do, and also what he sees going on in the forest there a little bit. Because there again, John, we hear about boars but we don't i i wouldn't even know one if i saw it if it was looking at me in the hand what do they look like pretty small bright emerald green they're three-eighths of an inch long little pretty beetle but but pretty destructive larvae because they're not native to here i think they came from china i believe okay another import yeah (laughs) i won't go there i won't go there but you know, a lot of people kind of have the idea that for trees in their yard, it would cost them hundreds or thousands of dollars to protect them. And I wanted to touch on that because it really doesn't. And I want to mention a couple of products, okay. um, not by product name, but by the ingredient. And and timing is critical. One of them can still be used up to about mid-June. And if you have a tree you want to protect, for about $50, you can protect your tree. But you do have to do it every year. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm actually gonna spell this and then I'll spell it again in a few minutes. Dineto Furin, D I N E T O F U R A N is the active ingredient. And that one is a basal spray. So you just put it in a sprayer, spray the base of the tree. You can do it up to mid June and it pretty good protection. Approximately fifty dollars. It depends on the size of the tree, how much you have to use. Okay. But that's pretty cheap if it's a tree that is important to you. And if you've got a nice you. tree, yeah. you're willing to spend that much. Obviously, you can't spend it, yeah. $50 per tree forest-wide. No. no. Uh, in fact, out in, in the, the forest, what we're really looking at is uh, what can we replace the ash with. And in places, that's quite a problem because ash is about all that will grow in some sites. Okay. And we may lose those to brush. Uh, the other hope is for some biological controls to be developed, but so far nothing that's ready to, to hit the big button and start. There's another product, and it's a little too late this year to use it, Imatoclopryd, I-M-A-D-O-C-L-O-P-R-I-D. Okay. And that one is a, a soil drench application or a... Um, granular application and you can do it up to about late april and uh and that one works pretty well but it's a little too late this year to to do it okay the 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 first one uh can be can be done the diaphragm or whatever it was that d-i-n-e-t 
T-O-F-U-R-A-N. That's the active ingredient. That's not the product name like okay. Bayer or yeah, something. Sure. The now, second, we don't have any problems with that, like the stuff we used in Vietnam, do we? No, <laughs> no these are, I mean, use All normal of a precaution. Boils on your skin. <laughs> As with any pesticide, read the label, follow the label to the T. Yeah. More is not always better. So use the amount prescribed, and you won't have a problem. Okay. You won't have material moving off-site or affecting anything else. Use some rubber gloves when you handle it. You know, yep. Try not to breathe the fumes right up close. But uh, if you use them right, these things are safe, and they will protect your trees. And if you've got a nice tree you want to keep, 50 bucks a year is not a bad price. It's really not, no. Yeah. I mean, it I, might be 60 It depends on where you buy it, but... Shop around some, look online or wherever, and and you'll find it. And this is some stuff that a homeowner can do right now to to help their trees, if you're concerned. And don't necessarily wait till you see damage occurring on your tree. It would be timely to start protecting it now, even if you don't see any symptoms on your tree. For our listeners, uh, tell us when to prune a tree. Some people like to prune the dead branches off uh do you do it in the spring don't fall? do it now don't do it now don't do it now because everything's not, buttoned not up during now. the active growing season like this okay pruning is best done during the dormant seasons okay so you want to do it in october all sure. winter long after the leaves and, have fallen and, off and you can do it up till april okay you know through april well, guys, we have uh, shot an hour. Uh, well, you know, we started this half an hour, this segment. It's yep. growing. It was going to go 45 minutes. Now it's becoming so popular, we're getting people calling us and telling us, uh, ask this question, ask that question. Well, it seems like it goes we'll so fast. You, uh, we'll see you all next uh, next month, John. Uh, thank you all for coming in. Thank you very much. Scott. Thanks, Peter. Brad. Thank you. Thank you. Talk of the North. 98.1 K220 EFFF at 710 WDSMA. Superior Duluth.